Welcome to our behind-the-scenes chat with Billy Carson of ForbiddenKnowledge.com. Billy's uh, definitely been out there for a while doing this sort of work and finding the anomalies on Mars and navigating the path into Egypt and looking at certain uh, sacred objects and sacred temples in different ways and finding out the science-based material behind them. Uh, the catalyst for you and your transformation, your awakening as a human on, on planet Earth and this body is Billy Carson, this go-around. What was that like for you going back in the years and how did you get to this place of a, a higher consciousness, consciousness around these subjects and having a little more open mind? How did, how did you get this far? It goes pretty far back. Um, I even, you know, you know I'll, I'll bring up the subject about the UFO in my backyard when I was eight, but even further back than that, uh, going to the third day home from the hospital uh, as a baby and remembering what I was fed. I was a 10-month-old baby, which was bizarre, 10 months and 10 pounds. So <laughs> I'm sure my mother wasn't too happy about that, rest her <laughs> soul. But um, the third day home from the hospital, I was actually fed table food, and it was actually bluefish. Uh, and I remembered that. And one day when all the family was around, I, I, I brought up that subject and everybody was blown away. How do you, I said, I remember that. And I had been reading and, and reading actual books by seven, eight months. So I had a little bit going for me, you know, a little bit there uh, in the beginning. But by the time I was eight, uh, I was living in Opelika, Florida. We had moved from New York to Opelika. Uh, it's in Miami. And we lived by the Opelika Airport. Now, the Opelika Airport, the airplane, it's closed now, but back then the airplanes would literally fly over every 15 minutes. I mean, you can count it like clockwork. Uh, and one day I would go in the backyard to go look at the, the airplanes go over, and there's this gigantic glowing orb, and it clears the entire horizon in like three or four seconds. Now, this is amazing because an airplane, you know, usually about, you know, I don't know, 20,000 feet up by the time they get to that part of the sky, but it would take them like, maybe five or ten minutes to clear the whole horizon point. It's, you know, they're moving slow, but they're moving fast from our, from our perspective. Well, this thing went straight across the horizon. Then it came back, stopped, and left out the way it came in. And I was blown away. I didn't know what happened, what it was. Um, the word UFO didn't exist to me. The word flying saucer didn't exist. All I knew was I had to find out what this thing was. Um, I went to the library the next day at school, Rainbow Park Elementary, down in Miami. And uh, I started digging through every single encyclopedia. No internet back then. Sorry, this is the 1970s, guys. <laughs> so in 1970s, <laughs> I'm aging myself. Uh, I'm digging and reading through every encyclopedia. I'm going to finding out about the STS supersonic jet. I'm finding out about different uh, military aircraft, swept wing crafts. Um, I'm finding out about tanks, uh, I mean, submarines that launch uh, missiles. Whole new world. Everything. And I, I'm like, I'm finding all this stuff out and I'm blown away by it, but I'm not finding what I saw. So the journey really started back then. Uh, and it turned into a series of private meetings that I would have with certain friends that we would discuss these types of weird things um, and, and some of our own experiences. Um, and how, it, how would you trade back and forth? What would you use? Well, back then it was just talking. In the 70s it was talking. So there was nothing to trade back then. When we got into the 80s, it became trading VHS tapes because we would find VHS tapes, lost tapes, information from other people that had recorded at different little private uh, banquets at hotels and so forth. You know, and uh, we would trade this information back and forth and share it around amongst each other. Uh, then as we got later on into the, into the 80s, into the early 90s, it became cassette tapes. Then it went to CDs, you know, then eventually evolved into DVDs, uh, and then it went to internet forums. Now it's blown open. Then it's blogs, now it's social media, now yeah. it's wide open. So yeah. 
from the 70s all the way to 2017, there's been a shift in consciousness, a shift in awakening. People starting to realize what's really going on and people asking more questions about what might be going on. Uh, so it's, it's really um, progressing. And when people say, oh, it'll never happen or people will never wake up, I go, what are you talking about? I mean, you got to know where I come from. I've seen it go from a handful of people to now just one Instagram account has over a half a thousand, half, 500,000, half a million people following one Instagram account that I have. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you add up all my accounts together, it's almost a million followers. So people want to know what's going on. People have questions. People are truth seeking. Um, and not all these people like everything you post, but they're looking. They want to see what potentially could or could not be out there. And that kind of reminded me of something you said is that once you were turned on to this knowledge, it came to find you mm -hmm. after time. It just, yeah. uh, it's the synchronicities lined up. So talk about some of those synchronicities as far as how things have come to you and that knowledge has mm -hmm. then been uh, verified. Yeah, it's really amazing because once you are turned in and tuned in, the knowledge will find you. You know, I mean, you see, I still seek knowledge, but for the most part, knowledge really seeks out, seeks me out, and it finds me in the weirdest ways. It comes from epiphanies, um, just weird uh, things that just come up, weird questions that you, and, and like, I guess you get them from the universe and you ask yourself, and then you go research it and find out, okay, this information is really, there's some validity to this. Let me dig into it deeper now and find out what I can put together with this. Uh, people contact me unexpectedly and send me information. Uh, I've been able to meet some pretty prominent people, ex-CIA, ex-FBI, uh, people that you would never think, that people who are trying to be whistleblowers and really come out with information because they don't want to go to their grave with this, with this information. And it comes to me. Uh, people look, at me as, look to me as um, a, a stepping stone or a way to get their information out there to a bigger public, a broader, you know, broader public. So uh, it really does find you. Then there's a lot of synchronicities, and you find out information about one topic, but it opens up the door to something totally different that's kind of related, but maybe not, but it opens it up and now you're over here yeah. and then that opens up something else. And it just, I feel like you're describing the perfect Gaia experience. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you log in and you find something and it's a gateway to something else or it mm -hmm. opens a door for you to, to experience something else. That's yeah. exactly how the platform kind of needs to work. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a chain of events to get all this knowledge uh, into the right people. Yeah. And there's so much stuff on that Gaia platform. It literally blows me away because when I log in and I go to truth seeking, or I go to information about pyramid power and energies and, and it just, and then after it's over, you see all these other options you have that you can select from. And some of them are kind of related, but some of them are, but when you start digging into those, you go, wow, this is great. And I have to tell you, People say, oh, you know everything already. No, I don't know everything already. The second that I say I know everything, I'm lying to you. Mm -hmm. I'm learning all the time. I learned some stuff from the, the Greg Braden uh, episode. I'm, I'm learning stuff from, from Gaia's uh, uh, videos. There's over 7,000 videos, and I'll never be able to catch all of it, but um, I'm having a great time with it. So some of the science-based uh, evidence that we're seeing out there, people are, are falsifying their science. And one of those things that we wanted to talk about was flat earth theory. Correct. I want you to take a stab at that. Go for it. Flat earth theory is an, is an admitted CIA psyop. Um, and uh, it literally preys upon people that are susceptible to fanaticism, unfortunately. And it's really a, a divide and conquer technique to separate truth seekers from coming together. Um, and they found a way to uh, to psychologically, literally attack people and get them to go in a slightly different direction and put 
everybody at odds, and it's really worked. Um, there's a big image going around. It's viral on the Internet. It's a picture of the Earth, and it's flat. But what they've done is they've taken out of the entire 360-degree globe, they've taken about an inch of that uh, globe and taken, snapped it out and made it into an image. When you take that image and rotate it, it looks like a flat, it looks like the Earth is flat. One inch, one inch or two inches. Now, everything in images is made of pixels, including even our own bodies. Uh, the, the, the further down you go, the more pixelated things get. So if I take a very small piece of something, it's going to appear to be blocky or blotched or, or square or flat. Uh, when you look at the whole picture and see where this image literally fits right in where it came from, you realize it's a scam. You realize it, it's, uh, it's, it's paid, potentially paid propaganda that's been put out there, and now it's gone viral. Uh, it's so unfortunate because it's very easy to prove that the Earth is not flat. Uh, first of all, let's just go, oh, let's talk, not talk too deep into science, let's talk basics. Mm -hmm. You're standing on the shoreline. My height, I'm six foot four. Let's say you're about six feet tall. At six feet tall, you can see the Earth's curvature drop eight inches or curve eight inches every mile. So on a clear day, you can see approximately three miles out, okay? Three miles out, clear day from the shoreline. As ships come in, they appear to be rising from beyond the horizon point, and as ships leave out, they appear to be dropping below the horizon point. Now, if I go into a building or a ladder, if I have a ladder right there and I start climbing this ladder, for every meter that I go up, I'm going to see an extra almost, just under a mile, out. Mm -hmm. So if I go up, you know, uh, one meter, I'm going to see another, I'm going to see four miles. Go up another meter, I'm going to see five miles, so forth and so on. So as you go up, because as you go up, your perspective changes. So you're able to see further to the horizon point. However, you can never see the other side of the planet because the curvature is always there. You just have a better perspective to a certain point that you can climb up or go up into the tallest skyscraper. Other than that, the only thing you can do then is go up into the sky and go up into space where you can completely see the curvature. The other thing that they're trying, trying to say is that NASA has lied and they provide these fish-eyed fish, um, fish lenses. Forget NASA. What about the research students at Harvard? What about the independent astronomers that have sent up their own balloons that have gone into the stratosphere? These aren't fish-eyed cameras. These are inspected, regular cams that have gone up into the stratosphere and have taken pictures of the Earth, and you can see that it's a sphere. Uh, let's also now forget, I'm trying to stay away from NASA's images. So let's go now into ancient times. Let's go into the ancient Sumerians. Let's go into the Anunnaki. And the ancient Sumerian tablets, which they have left behind, one million tablets carved in stone, they have never, ever, ever talked about a flat earth. There's this rumor that the Anunnaki and these ancient Egyptians were talking about. They never once in anything have ever said anything about a flat earth. Again, more lies. When you, matter of fact, when you go into the Sumerian tablets, you find that Anu was taken Alalu to his, uh, his prison terminus, which is going to be on Mars, Lamu. And they orbited, they said they did, I think it was five or six circuits around Mars, which is orbits around Mars, before they found a good landing spot which, where they landed. Um, they also, Enlil, on his way to Earth, he circled, encircled the planet several times before finding the official landing spot that he decided, okay, this is where civilization is going to start. So, again, they're talking about orbiting spheres. Mm -hmm. Then they name every single planet in our solar system their size, shape, and color. Okay, so there, if you go into ancient, forget NASA, let's talk about the ancient text. Carved in the stone, they're talking about spherical planets. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at the Perry-Reese map, the Perry-Reese map is a famous map that has been discovered and even shows Antarctica before there was ice on it. This map is amazing for one main reason, because when you look at this map, 
it's taking from a specific point in space. So if you're directly above this, uh, with this map, the way that it's drawn, it's directly above Giza. So directly above Giza, something up there originally drew the first copy of this map from that perspective. That's the perspective that the angle of this map is taken from. Scientists have found this out, and it's completely, completely baffled scientists. But again, it's a sphere. Um, uh, you know, so it, it, I, I can just keep going. If I take two sticks that are the same size, and I put one stick in England and one stick in New York, the stick in, in England is going to have a different shadow than the shadows on the stick in New York. If the Earth is flat, how come both shadows aren't the exact same? Mm -hmm. Okay, it's because the Earth is curved, and we're, or we're rotating on our axis, and we're orbiting the sun at the same time. These are just basic, simple ways to prove. That's good science. Yes, yeah, exactly. And so using that in the same vein, then, talk about your uh, United Family of Anomaly Hunters and how you apply science to that rigor and, and to your experiences uh, opening up the can of worms that is yeah. all these uh, satellite images and, and uh, rover images from, from Mars. These are actual images that are being broken down into amazing extrapolation. So talk a little bit about Actual that. images, and before I start on I want to debunk one thing, a sure. debunk, a debunk. Sure. All these images are coming from uh, Arizona, or is this island out there somewhere, I forget this island that they called. Those were islands and locations where the rovers test practiced. Right. And those images were putting on NASA.gov and other places, European Space Agency. They have to test these, these things out. They can't just send them to Mars. Right. So, again, propaganda people have taken images from the test recordings and put them out there and say, oh, this is where they are. No, they're not there. They, they're really on these other planets. These satellites have really left and gone to other planets. Um, and, and these are free to the public. The, free to the public. The, the ones that are actually from Mars. and We paid for them. Yeah, you can go online and, and navigate to them uh, Absolutely. Free, of, free of charge. People just don't know where to look, but they're on all the major space agency websites. And what myself and a group of us have done, the United Family of Anomaly Hunters, we have come together as a, as a team. And we've literally downloaded over the last few years over one million images. And there's more than that there. Can you imagine how many images? There's, more, there's probably five or six million images available to the general public that we paid for, citizens of the world. Uh, but we've downloaded about a million so far. And out of those million, we've gotten about 50,000 anomalies. Wow. So what is an anomaly? An anomaly is an out-of-place object, something that doesn't appear to belong in that frame or in that image. So if we're seeing rocks or stones and we see something next to it that's more of a box shape that looks like a structure, we go, okay, this looks like it doesn't belong here. So then what we do is we pull it into Photoshop, we take away the fake haze that they put over these things and some of the smudging that they put on, and once we see to our eyes that it appears to be something that definitely doesn't belong, then we present it to the group. And the group analyzes it, and they go, yeah, this is definitely an anomaly. This is a structure. This is this. This is that. Um, it doesn't belong. Let's put this one up. Is there one that you can recall right now where it's just, it's just a mind-blowing view? The greatest one that, I, that I've ever discovered is the one on Mercury. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to Mercury because uh, NASA put out some high-resolution images. I mean, the highest I've ever seen. They normally put out very low resolution. They call it high-res, but it's really... Nah, it's garbage. Once you zoom in, everything breaks apart. This particular image was so high quality, I think it was like almost 15 megabyte download. I said, I got to download this thing and look at it. I downloaded I pulled it into Photoshop. As soon as I zoom in, I started seeing structures. And I'm going, what in the world is this? I mean, it blew me away because I'm thinking Mercury boiling, scalding hot, everything they taught us. Right. I started digging into the research. Mercury messenger data. I pulled that down. Find out that Mercury is not what even they thought it was. 
Mercury has organics on it. Mercury has billions of tons of water, water on Mercury. Mercury actually rotates on its axis 61 days to every Earth day. So it takes 61 days for it to spin once on its axis, which means most of the planet is never in direct sunlight. Wow. And on top of that, you have the poles, which are extremely cold, and have ice, billions of tons of ice. And the other parts have billions of tons of liquid water and organics, as admitted by NASA. And what I discovered was this giant one facility, which is so massive because you can use a measuring tool. It's approximately a building that's one mile wide. Now, on the side of this building is a tower. That tower rises up almost two miles into the sky, and it's backed up to this what might be a crater full of water. So maybe this is a water refining plant. I mean, who knows? Who knows what this thing is? They probably live underground if they live there, and maybe this is the way they cool. I don't know. I mean, who knows? We're all speculation at this point. But the fact that this structure is really there, it's a clear clear as day, no obfuscation. I didn't have to change anything. I didn't have to delete any colors or nothing. This is the image, the way it looks, and I'll, I'll give it to you so you can put it up. Uh, this anomaly is there, rock solid there. There's no question about what it is. And when you see it, you're blown away, especially when you realize how big it is. Uh, because I haven't seen a mile-wide building here on Earth yet. Mm-hmm. If there is one, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Some of the stuff that you've showed us uh, on Mars is, is just outrageous. It's so cool to see. It, it appears that there's, you know, warrior helmets that are just sitting there as if a, uh, <coughs> they're left over from a very large bomb blast. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all sorts of structures and different anomalies that you guys have pointed out over the over your research. Uh, talk a little bit about the Mars energy and, and the anomalies there and maybe what some of that landscape has been through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mars is a very amazing place because you can see that it had almost two different um, types of civilizations living on it based on what we've discovered. Because mm-hmm. uh, we're discovering anomalies that appear to be modern and some that appear to be ancient. Mm-hmm. It's a mix. Uh, and when you start digging into the ancient texts, and you discover that the actual asteroid belt used to be a planet, and that planet collided with a moon of Nibiru. And this, is, this information is in the Atreasis story epic. So when that happened, Tiamat blew apart. A piece of Tiamat swung into where we are now, Earth's orbit, and became Earth. It was an organic water-bearing planet. The rest of it shredded into pieces and became the asteroid belt. Mars was actually... Uh, a moon of Tiamat, so was Pluto. Pluto got slung far out. Mars went into its own elliptical orbit around our sun. That's why it's got a very weird orbit. Uh, And then obviously you have the asteroid built there. So Mars has been through a lot. One side of Mars, the side where the planet most likely exploded, that side of Mars is probably the side that was facing um, uh, the planet because it's charred. There's one side that's charred and one side that's smooth. So it might have been that that side was the side that was facing the planet when it actually exploded. So that caused one catastrophe. I think billions of years went, millions of years went by, and then Mars um, kind of, you know, got back on its feet again. But then I think wars came to the planet, and we found tanks, we found guns, we found all kind of weaponry, we found dead bodies, and uh, it really appears that um, uh, the second catastrophe might have been man-made or humanoid-made mm-hmm. type catastrophe, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what it really appears. So. As we dig deeper and start to find these, these, these flooded out places and, tr- and find these uh, structures that are broken up and broken apart, uh, but we find a lot of tanks and a lot of weapons. Why is that? Why do we find so many weapons on Mars? Even handguns, we've discovered handguns. So there was, um, maybe it was called a god of war for a real reason. Right, Mars. Mm-hmm. War. Uh, so as far as the, 
um, chemical content of Mars, the, the xenon uh, that can only come from a, an atomic explosion. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? With yeah, us? sure. Um, a, a scientist discovered that the, um, and NASA now even confirms it, that there's a heavy xenon uh, gas within even the soil of, of Mars, which is evidence of weapons, uh, explosive weapons, not just any kind of weapon, but nukes, nuclear blasts. And even a scientist in 1941 observed a, a, a humongous explosion on Mars from Earth and document, well documented. And, and, and uh, now they're trying to say, researchers are trying to say that potentially that could have been a nuclear bomb going off even at, at that time in recent history. And I kind of really concur with that because some of the structures that we've discovered on Mars appear to be made. We can't say they're made of steel, but they appear to be made of steel. And if they're made of steel, we, we went to some metallurgists to ask them, how long can an object survive uh, exposed to elements like this? You know, and they said, well, even in low oxygen atmosphere, these objects wouldn't last more than 80 years before turning into dust. Some of these objects that appear to be steel are not even deteriorated at all. Wow. So we're questioning, are some, of the, are some of these things, you know, 80 years old or less? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what's the case here? Are, are these... How much of this stuff is ancient? How much of it is really recent? Uh, is that breakaway civilization there? Did they go to war with somebody? You know, so it's, it really raises a lot more questions than answers. So this is, this is kind of arcing into a little bit more of a personal question. Uh, do you feel supported by energies unseen? Is there a, uh, uh, you know, you can call it angels, you can call it uh, other beings, but is there a, a certain amount of energy that you feel that you're not aware of as a, physical presence or as a, a visual presence, but is there something out there that's supporting you? I really do believe so, and I can tell you that it got stronger after I had the incident in, at my house in about 2008 when I had the, the experience with, with actually coming a, count, a, fourth, a close encounter of the fourth kind with actual real aliens uh, in my house. Um, there was an experience that I had there where they came right to my face, and uh, they were two grays about four feet tall because as me sitting down, they were right to my eye level. And whatever they did, it started shaking my brain severely. I was trying to scream. I couldn't scream. Um, there was no communication in terms of anything I can really understand, but it happened. And um, I'll tell you, after that, a lot more information be started becoming a lot more clear to me a lot faster. Quantum physics, grasping it, really understanding the link between quantum physics and spirituality, almost like a unified physics. But grasping it to the point where I can lecture about it, I can talk about it, I can interact with people who are actually in college about it, um, you know, and then also to the point where certain things that I talk about and post about, uh, a lot of the information comes to me before I even go looking for it. So uh, information will come, literally come to me, and I will have to go research it to see, is this even possible? And then find out that it's true and that it really exists. That's kind of a reverse way of getting information, like the, like somebody or something is sending it to me and then once i get it i go and verify it and then if it's real i put it out there i'll tell you something amazing i don't know if you can go on tape or not but i have a this is something and i i wish i had my other phone with me the one that they made me give back note seven because i had transferred all my images here but i can confirm this with many 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 people light bulbs blow around me street lights go out when i drive down the highway street lights literally turn off at night, not all of them, but randomly they turn off. Lights in parking lots, I'll walk up to the light coming out of the grocery store, it turns off, I back up, and then I, saw, I started recording them. 
I have a couple on this phone. I have to dig them out and find, and find them for you. Because well, now I got somebody down. Yeah. Let's run on the image. Lights flash. I get in my car. There's one place. The light bulb right in front of my car starts flickering. I'm at the Conscious Life Expo. The light bulb above my head starts blinking like crazy. I'm recording that. I might have that one on my other phone that's in my laptop case here. Um, I go into a hotel room. As soon as I come and turn the light on, the light blows. I'm having an argument, unfortunately, with my previous wife. <laughs> and the hat, the high hat in the ceiling right above her head explodes. It comes down on her head in front of all my kids, all my family members. But this is a con- and all the light bulbs in my house that I had in West, and they all eventually started going out. And I kept replacing them until finally I just stopped replacing them. <laughs> and we, we just had, like, you know, some lamps with the, the twisty, what do they call them, halogen, not halogen, but they're... Um, candescent bulbs or something those have but that's just bizarre it really is bizarre uh the biggest one was the mall we were going walking through the mall lights go down we leave that area the lights go on we walk back in the area lights go down again we walk out of the area lights go up so I st- it happened so many times i started recording this to a point where i had like four or five hundred of these anomalies so because I, at one point when you have so many you have to say okay this might not be an anomaly this might be really happening so that's why i started documenting them you know cool uh, Billy, talk to us a little bit about technology these days, the, the amount of uh, information that's put out there on the Internet, the personal information that's put out there. How do you deal with uh, you, your standard uh, element of posting all this energy out there? How do you get through uh, knowing that the government or you know, other governments, global governments, are, have access to all of this information that you're putting out there? Yeah. That's a very good question, and a lot of people always want to know, how, do I, how, do, how did I get this big, and how can I keep putting this information out there, and how come I'm still alive, and all this other stuff. And it's almost like they wish I was dead. Some of them, <laughs> not all of them. I have received death threats before, um, which That's I say. another podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, one of the things people have to realize, everything is being tracked, everything is being watched, every cookie is being tracked, every cell phone you ping is being watched. Not just even making a call, just to, as I travel around and my phone pings towers, all those are being kept. All that information is being calculated and kept. Um, so they're always watching. People go, oh, I hate Facebook. Well, Facebook owns Instagram. It's the same company. <laughs> what are you talking about? You got you to gotta know. What you t- it's all the same. It doesn't matter what you're on. It's all being looked at and watched. And people don't realize I've been shut down on Instagram before. Uh, I've been shut down on Facebook. Literally now for the last four months, I've been shut down once a month to where I can't post videos. I can't post live feeds, uh, certain images I can't post. Right now, I'm on another, another suspension on Facebook right now where they won't let me upload any video directly to Facebook. I've got to go through my side account to upload it in there. But the main account that I normally use, I can't upload any videos. And this, they do this to me on a consistent basis, taking me in and taking me out, taking me and taking me out, almost as if they're getting me, want, trying to get me to quit or stop or whatever the case may be. Uh, a lot of my posts get reported all the time. Some get taken down. My biggest suspension was three weeks where I couldn't post, even like or comment or anything. Uh, you know, I've been, I've had quite a few images deleted from Instagram. So sometimes you go back on my Instagram history, things are gone. So even a few times I've gone and took and taken the warning that I've gotten by email and posted that. So people say, look, I'm, I'm really getting targeted here. Um, and what I've really figured out are ways, even though I've gone through those situations, I've figured out ways to maneuver, different ways to word phrases and put information out there, what words to tag and what words not to tag. I learned my lesson. <laughs> Don't tag CIA, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so so uh, it, it's all about technique sometimes. It's some, some of the reason why a lot of my posts are able to go. And I post a lot of content in each post, which turns it into almost an article. Mm-hmm. So I'm not just straight bashing. I'm actually educating. Mm-hmm. 
So those different techniques have, um, have helped me out a lot. Another thing that has helped me out a lot, I really, really feel, is putting myself in the public eye. Um, it's a lot harder to do something to somebody when they become a public figure versus somebody who's just, uh, you know, hiding in the shadows and putting out information. That person, you can just wipe them off and nobody will even know any different. Um, and when I realized that, I started really putting myself in the public eye because when Forbidden Knowledge first started, it was just the, the image of the Eye of Horus. Nobody knew who I was. As I got further along, I realized that if I want to really take this knowledge to the masses, people have to see my face. I need to make myself a public figure. I need to get myself out there so people can correlate the two. And if there is anything that happens, at least people will know, dog owner, I died fighting. But, <laughs> but I put myself out there so that it's, more, it's less likely to happen. Uh, and again, it's really all about technique, but everything is being watched. I mean, they could be listening to us right now through the cell phone. There's nothing, some people, I put tape on my thing. I do, listen, no matter what you do, they know what you're doing. They know where you are. They can track you. They can find you. Um, but again, it's, a, a lot of the times for me, it's come down to technique and how I do things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's allowed me to continue to go. I've still got to get better because I got to figure this Facebook thing out because they're really trying to eliminate me on Facebook. I really, really feel it. Because uh, the last message I got from over there where they were going to evaluate my Facebook page, you know, and I mean, I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. I'm not posting fight videos. I'm not posting, uh, you know, murder scenes or <laughs> other crazy stuff that's out there. But they keep um, they keep targeting me. So I'm not target free, guys. They do attack forbidden knowledge, you know, so. Well, keep it up, man. Yeah. This is uh, that's quite a feed that you present to thank you. your audience and, and Gaia loves you for it. So thank you. Thank stay you. with it. I am. I am. Billy, thanks for coming on the program. Thank you, man. Really appreciate you being here on campus. All right, great. We'll see you next time. Hi, this is Billy Carson, and I want to take a minute to talk to you about my Egyptian mystery school that I teach at Dame Dash Studios in Burbank, California. The first mystery school was an absolute success, and we're looking forward to the second mystery school, December 7th and 8th, 2019. We will also be hosting a mystery school every month and a half so you can check on forbiddenknowledge.com with the number four forbiddenknowledge.com or check out my instagram account for updates the link tree is in my bio to go to the mystery school and you can register for classes there hey everyone this is billy carson also known as forbidden knowledge if you haven't done so please check out my book compendium of the emerald tablets it's currently a bestseller on amazon.com you can look it up compendium of the emerald tablets by billy carson in this book, I break down the metaphysical, quantum physics, esoteric wisdom of Thoth the Atlantean. This information was written eons ago, and I've taken my time to break down all of the information in a way that everyone can understand it. So please, check it out. Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. If you're into learning about the true ancient history and ancient civilizations, you have to read my book.